0: welcome to the sports bros podcast featuring the almighty be live the money man scotty d and your host the head of creative eddie cool without any further ado here they are the sports bros What's going on, world? This be your boy, the HOC, the head of creative here at the Sports Bros Podcast. And guess what, y'all? It is episode 20. 20 ah. of them things. Yes, we made it 20. Some, because some podcasts will make it by episode five. I'm like, you know what? We're wasting time. But you know what? Here at the Sports Bros Podcast, it is more than just a hobby. And this is what we do. And we're going to make the most out of a given opportunity. And as always, I got the almighty Be live with me.
1: What's happening? What's going on in the world today? This be your boy. The almighty Be live one-third of the Sports Bros podcast. Man, you know what? I want to apologize to the general public. You know what? I dropped the ball this week. Extremely busy. I did not bring you what happened. I didn't bring it to you man I was so incredibly busy but incredibly thankful to work with SiriusXM Barstool Sports the rough and rowdy competition we'll talk about that a little bit later but I promise you and I promise you I will be I'll be bringing it to you every single week from now on but I want to apologize sorry folks
0: hey be like you know it is what it is and you know our followers and our listeners they they know what's going on so no hard feelings no hard feelings. And as always, we got the number one heel in all of the podcasting world, the money man, Scotty D. Man, you
2: guys are so lucky to have me. I'm telling you. Ooh. But let me get let me share with you all <laughs> uh, <laughs> let me share with you just a quick story here that made me feel old this past week. So, you know, I, I work at this Beast Ninja Gym. And there's a kid that comes in, he's 16 years old, and um, he's a beast. I mean, he, he's, a, he's a, you know training for football. And so he and I were talking the other day, we were kicking around the great quarterbacks topic, and it occurred to me as we were talking that Tom Brady has been the quarterback of the Patriots his whole life. Wow. His entire life, all he's known is Brady as the quarterback of the Patriots. This kid was born in 2002, and Brady took over the Patriots job in 2001. Man, uh, you know, that shouldn't make me feel old, but, man, that made me feel old.
1: um, Scotty D, it's because you are old. See, I Um, wouldn't. The the thing about it is, because, I mean, in this um, Maury Povich era, I mean, you're old enough to be his grandfather. She started early, you, you know, oh, that is absolutely true, and that is sad.
2: <laughs> oh, but, yeah. I,
1: but I still don't get cards on Father's
2: Day, so we're not there
1: yet. So, I'm nope. just saying that. And then Uncle Max, I mean, pretty much being ancestor to him four, four, <laughs> and seven. <laughs> you know what, you see, I'm you know what, I'm, you know what, Uncle Max, I'm sorry, I couldn't resist that one. You you I love you, man. I really do. we gonna leave, hey, Uncle we, Max
2: we, getting that age heat early in this episode.
0: Man, man, we going we gonna leave Uncle Max alone. Leave Uncle Max alone. He's a good guy, you know. Other than being an Alabama fan, you know, yeah. Uncle Max, we still love you. Mm-hmm. Uh since we're talking about um players and quarterbacks and some people just being around forever, um, I'm looking at a pack of a box of topps football cards. And it has the um, like the relics group, A, B, C, D, E, F, and G. And I'm looking at some of the names on here, and I'm like, hmm, who is still playing uh, out of this whole list? Because everybody else is either retired or not around no more. Let's see, we got Vernon Davis still kicking. Ben Roethlisberger is still kicking. Jason Witten, who just came back. And Ted Ginn Jr. You have a Ted Ginn Jr. card? What? Well, I
1: don't. It's it's just a grouping of the
0: um like, of the grouping.
1: Correct. Yeah, I don't have it. No, I mean it, respect to him In, and all, but I just the list of players. I mean Ted Ginn Jr. Respect to him, he was part of that fifteen and one Carolina Panthers team, can VP all the way to the Super Bowl where the Denver head hunting Broncos. See, my bad. But oh I, boy, yeah, I it, I <laughs> digress. Terribly. All right, so I'm going. Yep, yeah, so what I'm going
0: to do is, um, on the light page, I'm going to take a picture. I'm going to post a picture, and um, we can see um, who's playing, who's retired, and who's going to the land of, obscur- of obscurity. All right, let's go ahead and get this podcast started, shall we? <clears throat> oh, yeah. Ooh, take two. <clears throat> All right, let's get this podcast started, shall we? All right, the British Open was this past weekend, and Shane Lowry wins the British Open. And of course, Tiger Wood misses the cut again, and where in the hell was our boy Brooks Capital Money Man? What you got on this?
2: You know, I think this was a great story. Um, going into this tournament, I remember thinking, "Man, it'd be nice to see Rory McIlroy get this tournament, get this, get get back on track with uh, winning some majors." It'd be nice that, you know, this tournament was in Northern Ireland and uh, have an Irish guy win it. And an Irish guy did win it, uh, just a lesser-known guy. Uh, Shane mm-hmm. Lowry achieved a level of fame this week that he probably would never have known before. But this guy is not a uh, a bad player. It's not, he's not like a fluke player, at least I don't believe believe so. I can remember him in the 2016 U.S. Open. Really, like, it was at Oakmont. I can remember him, like bonding with the uh with the fans you know with the gallery and uh he's got a great personality and he um i think he actually was uh second in that u.s open and uh earlier this year in the pga championship he had a good showing he was a top 10 finish so he's not just like a guy who just showed up and and won one tournament like ben curtis did i mean this is only his second win but um I think Shane Lowry is a guy that uh, you'll see a lot more of going forward now that you have a little bit more name recognition. But great story for for him to win that. Day three was the day that he really won. He shot the lights out, and that was a kind of a fun day to watch. And admittedly, I didn't see much of Sunday's round because it was on the air a little bit early, and other obligations at the church didn't allow me to sit in front of the TV. But... um Good story for Shane Lowry. I, you know, I, I'm I'm happy to see somebody different get his hands on the major, especially a guy that did it kind of in uh, on his own turf.
0: All right, Money Man Scotty, you made some great points. Be live. Would you like to opine on anything regarding the British Open?
1: Well, um, one thing I definitely want to um, put out there is that um, the golfing world does revolve quite a bit around Tiger Woods, and unfortunately. Tiger Woods bowed out, and it was almost disturbing the way he bowed out, like first Mm -hmm. round plus seven, never found his rhythm, I think he was minus one round two, but nowhere near the cut line, and then he admittedly stated that he's not the player that he used to be, and that he has like he has to pace himself to extend his um, career and everything, and the amount of toll, the amount of strain that he's put on himself the first um, every bit of what twenty years that he's been playing, it was discouraging. Like it's mm-hmm. one of those things. So there's not there's little to no chance that he um, is competitive. But the thing about this is that he also said that he was saving himself for the playoffs which I'm still trying to figure out how exactly that's all set up where he's only played but a handful of events. But may, does he automatically qualify for the playoffs having a, a major win on um, winning the Masters? Is that how it's set up? Well, I think it's
2: cumulative points, and I'm not sure how that's scored. But but by winning, you you pretty much solidify – like winning a major, there's, that carries a lot of weight. So he pretty much solidified himself in that spot. And I think he he had some decent finishes in other tournaments too. I mean, he didn't win any others, but um, he's already qualified, I
1: believe, for, the, for that for FedEx Cup playoff spot. Understand, but so winning a major, I mean, that's there's four majors. You win one of those, that is pretty much um, pretty much the I'm just, how competitive will he be after this, such an abysmal showing at the um, at the Open? We're, you know, we're, the, honestly, we're the only people in the world that call it the British Open, by the way. Yeah, it's the, the Open
2: Championship. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But uh, honestly, I I was watching his interview, the uh, I think on Wednesday, and I leaned over to the guy next to me at the gym and I said, "Look, man, this dude's not going to make the cut." It, he didn't sound like he was going to. The way he was talking, it just it didn't sound good. You know, he was talking about how long it takes for him to get his body ready, how winning the masters took so much out of him that he, you know, he hasn't been able to play as much. I, I honestly think we have seen him win his last major. And I know we said that before. And then when he, you know, miraculously came back and won the masters this year, it, it opened our eyes to say, well, it opened our minds to thinking, man, maybe he can keep doing this. Maybe he can do it again. But I, I the way he sounds physically, I don't think he's going to be up to doing this again. Not winning a major anyway. I mean, he'll be out there and playing, but I mean, for Tiger Woods to not make cuts, that's you know, that that just shows that he doesn't have it physically to put out for the preparation. And more than anything, it's not that he can't play because he shot a good round on on Friday, but he just doesn't. I don't think physically have it in him to put out four good
1: rounds. See, and see, that's the question that that yeah, on what you're what you were saying with that Zach. The Masters took so much out of them, like as opposed to any other tournament. What what is it? What exactly does that mean? You're putting the same toll on your body. Like I I get it that you're in a, I guess it'd be a higher stress environment, but you're still um hitting the ball for seventy two hundred yards, um, or what is it like? Um, each day seventy two um i mean seventy two strokes eighteen holes mm-hmm. it's all all the stats that go into it that doesn't change for a major as opposed to a non major you're still shooting the same amount of holes
2: no but uh, he's just saying that by by that that took a lot of out a lot out of him. I think he would probably say that about any tournament at this point that he's shooting four rounds you know if he's making a cut and playing the whole weekend i think all all those he He specified the masters, but I think all those tournaments he's basically saying he can't keep playing a full schedule anymore, and right. if you're not playing a full schedule, you're not getting as much preparation, you're not playing competitively. I just don't think that it's in the card for him to win another major, and if he does, I think it would be it would be the masters again just because that's a course that he's you know so familiar with and plays all the you know on a regular basis. I I just don't think that he's going to physically be able to withstand the rigors of a full season at his age and at his body. I think he overtrained early in his career and and messed his body up that and such an incredibly violent swing in his young career that, you know, it, it took its toll on his back. He's had, you know, multiple back surgeries and all that. I just don't think that he has it in him to to uh to compete on a four, you know, four-round basis anymore.
0: Yeah, um Tiger Woods, he's um, yeah, it doesn't really seem like himself. I mean, like you said, the Masters really gave us some hope, like oh, he can, he can do it. There's hope, and then we see performances such as this is like, oh man, I don't, I don't know, I don't know. And as we all know, man, Father Time is undefeated, undefeated. Plus,
1: and plus the Masters is you know, it's it's, it's towards earlier. the beginning of the season, yeah, yeah early, it's absolutely. So, but yeah, and but at the same note, you still hear about Tiger Woods doing. Some type of skins event in October. So it's like, what? Where is his priorities at? Like, I, I don't know. Maybe the, is that skins event really necessary to the the highest paid athlete in the world? But yet he's, I mean, somebody that supposedly needs rest and all this time off and everything. I don't know this because he didn't. He just had that event with Phil Mickelson, which yep. like, which I mean. Entertainment value, yeah, but what what exactly are you are you accomplishing? And is that at the same not? And you're still saying that oh, your body can't handle the the rigorous schedule? Then stop doing some of this extracurricular stuff and focus yep. solely on well, the the bit. At the end of the day, still the big money maker is the is where you got all of your sponsorships and everything from the PGA Tour.
2: But bro, at yeah. least he's not David Duval. David Duval was plus 27 after yeah. two days, yeah. and he had a 13 on hole seven. Man, I'm going to tell you, I suck at golf. I think I could have taken David Duval on that particular hole. I think
0: I could have beat a 13. Could have beat a 13. <laughs> oh, I paid to see that. I paid to see that. And <laughs> since 2015, <laughs> since 2015, let's see, Tiger Woods has missed the 2015 British Open, the 2015 PGA Championship. The 2017 Farmers Insurance Open, the 2018 Genesis Open, the 2018 U.S. Open, the 2019 PGA Championship, and of course, the 2019 British Open. But it might be be a done deal for Tiger. I mean, it might be just a whole nostalgia tour from here on out. So uh, congratulations to Shane Lowry for winning the British Open. And Brooks, come through, come through after you finish fourth place and finish minus six. Speaking of what seems to be an ageless wonder, let's talk about this here, Manny Pacquiao and Keith Thurman fights. Um, in case you don't know, Manny Pacquiao, at the age of 40, defeated Keith Thurman by a split decision. And the new welterweight champion of the world is the one, the only, the legendary Manny Pacquiao. Scotty D, your thoughts on this Manny Pacquiao fight and Q Thurman fight? Uh,
2: I think it's kind of sad that uh, boxing is relying on a 40-year-old guy to draw the ratings and draw interest because Pacquiao, after watching that fight the other night, I don't think is going to be around a whole lot longer. I think he's even admittedly saying that. But uh, the three of us were kind of texting and talking back and forth during the fight and uh, we saw a, a, a what ended up being a split decision. Two judges had it 115 to 112, I believe. Is that right in favor of Pacquiao? Yeah. And the other judge, the that's third correct. judge, had it 114, 113. I think. I think that sounds about right.
1: No, that's 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 correct, sir.
2: Okay, so um, y- you know, and we've kind of already debated off the air about this, but uh, Pacquiao got off to a hot start with a 10-8 round knockdown in first round. Uh, I think maybe Thurman who hasn't fought much in the last couple of years may have been a little bit rusty and got caught. He didn't really look hurt. He just kind of got caught. And uh, from then on, it seemed like Pacquiao was on cruise control. He he had a good second round, but then I didn't think he dominated a lot of the other rounds going forward. Uh, So basically the judges had it seven rounds to five and uh, one judge saw it uh, the opposite way in favor of Thurman. And, um, I didn't think it was as outrageous as I guess you guys had on your feet a ranting uh, ranting announcer about the judge saying he was drunk or something to that effect. I'll let you get into that a little bit more since you you guys heard it. But I just oh, didn't think hilarious. it was as oh. outrageous. You know, they always say fighters get old fast, like it happens overnight. And mm-hmm. I can see a little bit of Pacquiao in his late rounds. He didn't have quite as much speed and spring in his step as I've seen him have in late rounds in previous fights. To be expected, he's forty, but I just think that that could be just a little bit of a sign going forward that Manny Pacquiao is coming down to the coming down the final stretch here.
0: Yep, that uh, that could be it because I mean, um, isn't he a member of the Philippine government?
1: It's Senate, yep. yeah,
0: but senators, something like that. So you know, I guess he like, hey, you know, enjoy this now, man, because I got some senator work to
1: do. Uh, <laughs> um, man, uh, Manny Pacquiao, um. If you happen to be listening to this podcast... I hope he is. I I I want to apologize for the ignorance of my um other two um, members of the... Episode. Why we got to be dumb for it? Because did you not hear the post-fight interview? Like, he's coming back in 2020. This is by, not even close to the end of the road. Y'all trying to put him in the grave. Are y'all kidding me? He's not- 40.
2: He's close to end. the end. I'm telling did, okay, you. He might did, fight again, but he's close to the end. Okay,
1: did y'all... Did, hey,
0: okay. It's, it's, it's something about those 40-year-old legs, man. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you, man. The, the way he was bouncing around in the ring and I'm like, this dude's 40. This dude's 40. Are we sure this dude's 40? And everybody's like, oh, he ain't got it. He ain't got it. And I'm like, I don't I don't know. I'm not saying it's the end of the road for him, but at this point, like what else does he have left to
1: prove? He has a lot left to prove. He's the champion. But uh, now he does, yeah. Now, you know, now you got he hey, did. you got
0: that belt, so you gotta prove yeah, got it. I'm I'm
1: gonna say it and it might be ridiculous and I don't even care. I wanna see a Pacquiao Mayweather fight again. I said it. Shoot, I think it I think it'd be cool. I think Pacquiao won't let it go down this same way the second time. You know why I say that? Because, shoot, it would have been one thing the first round. Yeah, he, he caught Keith Thurman sleeping. Yo, Keith Thurman thought he was going to come in. Pap, Pap, Pap it was going to be. Brrr, you got you to gotta hear the pre-fight interview for that one. That's hilarious. Um, but, yeah, he caught him sleeping in the first round. He went down, bounced back up. Pacquiao still had his bouncing and everything. It would have been one thing if that would have been it. But when we fast forward to the 10th round where Thurman he, Thurman's done a little bit of work, done a little bit of work, and then Pacquiao cave Keith Thurman's insides in, made him ooh, completely ooh. reevaluate what the heck he's got going on in his life, had the man running, literally running around in the ring trying to get his um, air back because his soul left his body. Because Manny Pacquiao hit him so hard in the in the, um, in the body, yeah, I don't know. Just, um, I just want to ask you: Did y'all see that part of the fight? Like, oh I, yeah, I, oh, I, I saw like, that I part of the fight. Because the way y'all sound, like, the, way, the way y'all sound, y'all didn't see that part of Manny Pacquiao because y'all y'all was um, y'all was singing his uh, obituary and everything. No, no, like, we, wow. no we did not. Yes, exactly. Right, Listen, he's 40, me, forty years old, and he. Let me let me
2: just tell you this and then you, you can go ahead and conclude how I'm right. Um, but oh here we go <laughs> back again. <laughs> 20 uh, about 20 some years ago I was regularly watching a fighter by the name of Roy Jones Jr. You may have heard of him.
1: But yes. Nobody
2: could touch this guy. He was the fastest, he was one of the best defensive fighters out there. He was he just did whatever he wanted to in the ring and made everybody look like, they they didn't belong in the ring with him. Then he fought Antonio Tarver, and the fight was close. And then the next time he fought Antonio Tarver, he got knocked out. And then the next time he fought, he got knocked out. It just happened kind of fast, like overnight, where suddenly Roy Jones Jr. looked old. And you could, if you watch that first Tarver fight, you can see just small signs of him starting to slow down a little bit. He wasn't as dominant. And that's what I'm saying here with Pacquiao is that he's starting to show – a couple just small signs i'm not saying he's still not a great fighter he is he's been a champion in eight weight classes and i do think he won the fight the other night i'm not saying i don't even think that he you know i'm not agreeing with the judge that gave it to to thurman i'm just saying i'm starting to see some things that maybe going forward a year from now that pacquiao might
1: just the, the rest of the field might be catching up to him a little bit more I could have saw that two fights ago, the past couple of fights that Pacquiao was in who sort of slowed down. This one right here changed my mind. I'm trying to figure out how the both of y'all see some slowdown in Pacquiao in a fight that he clearly was the better boxer against a much younger, much stronger opponent. And you, I'm keep comparing to say,
2: Pacquiao to himself. I'm not
1: comparing him to the other fighter. And, even, he, and he stood in that... St- the beautiful thing about that is that he's still better than the best. And he took down an undefeated opponent that was he didn't do that. He, he, he was Pacquiao was the Pacquiao was the underdog. You the same argument you're making for Pacquiao that you're trying to make for Pacquiao. I'm going to make for somebody like Tom Brady and Drew Brees. Yeah. Are they a little bit slower than when they were 15 years ago? Absolutely. Does that mean that they're still not the best quarterbacks in the league right now? Just because they're getting a little bit older doesn't mean they're still not the best. And that's why they're still in the game. You're going Which to is see- what I said a minute ago. We- but <laughs> you're saying that he's slowed down. What's- you put him in the grave. I, no, I did not. I
2: just said I, th- I saw the man win a fight. And I agreed with the decision that he won the fight. And he outboxed a younger, better opponent. I just am starting to notice things. Having watched him fight before, I just, I just didn't see as as much spring in his step late in the later round. So disrespectful! I can't believe himself in rounds (laughs) eight through twelve. Those are his his rounds eight through twelve, and he was not dominant in eight through twelve. He didn't have
1: to be. He didn't have to be. He was dominant when he was supposed to be. He came out in the first round, punched the dude in the mouth. Then when Th- and, and, then when Thurman and, and, and decided like, yeah, that he and, wanted and, and, yeah. to try to be close, try to bring the fight close to him again, he punched him in the gut. <laughs> He's like, hey, hold on, player. You think you get a little too close? You're getting too close. You're too close, man. You're too close. You
0: get too close, man. Uh-huh. Yeah, you. Got- I, I I will I will say this. You know, I'm, I'm I'm just glad that Keith Thurman went in there and actually fought and didn't you know. He 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 showed up. He didn't leave it in the locker room. He came on. He like, he's like, you know what? This cements my legacy here. Keith Thurman versus Manny Pacquiao. So I got to show up. And like he said, hey, you know that's okay. I got that one loss. That's okay. It's not the end of the world. So you know, and 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 from what I heard about Keith Thurman, Keith Thurman got those hands of stone. He can knock him out. But you know, this time around, he had to. Had to prepare a little different for an experienced fighter like Manny Pacquiao because the thing about it is a fighter that experienced like Manny Pacquiao, he can damn near see it before it's coming, and once he you know, and once he sees it, he knows how to make the necessary adjustments to keep himself in the fight and also to give himself the experience edge over a younger
1: Keith Thurman. I'm gonna I'm I'm do this real quick. I'm gonna do this real quick to make Scott feel better because he has. Scottie has to feel better about himself and make sure that he's right all the time and that we're lucky to have him. Here we go. (laughs) If they they were to have a rematch, if there was a Thurman-Pacquiao rematch, I would favor Thurman. Absolutely. I think Thurman learned his lesson in the hardest way imaginable. He got punched in the face, got punched in the gut, and he was outclassed by a more skilled fighter that has all the experience in the world. I bet the second go-round, Thurman's not going to let that happen. Thurman showed throughout good bits of the match, and that's why one of the judges that might have been sipping on Lil Hennessy with um, J.R. Smith, a little drunker, <laughs> drunk on the sideline, decided to um, decided to um, um, judge to fight Thurman's way. I think Thurman wins the next go-round, but it was he, he got caught sleep, um sleeping and you can't do that. Especially against, D. um Pacquiao. Scotty D, you got anything to uh, reply
0: on B Live's rebuttal? And still, undefeated, oh, undisputed, oh, Scotty D.
1: God to be most. You know I'm gonna stop doing this. I am going to stop <laughs> giving you the slightest bit of credit because you take it way too far. Eddie, Eddie, cool, you know what? Just go just go on to the next topic. I ain't gonna talk about this no more.
0: Scott is a KG veteran, man, and that's what KG veterans do. You give them an opportunity, they take it out in the park. B-Live, you should know this by
1: you giving this fool more, you know, I'm sorry. All right, composure. All right,
0: speak, speak speaking of fights, since you guys want to fight, recently in Fayetteville, North Carolina, the almighty B-Live had a chance to partake in the Friday night fights live in Fayetteville, North Carolina. Be Live you give us
1: a quick rundown and recap of what happened this past weekend. Oh, man, this was an awesome experience um, um, going through with the um, pre fight um, live radio show with um, Barstool Sports and Sirius XM at my place of business, Max Speed Shop, 42 North McFish and Church Road. Man, come and check a brother out, man. We've got the best barbecue, pulled pork, and brisket in the business. Proven, it, it's been proven. Nationwide competition. We go to Memphis, Tennessee for competition every year, placing the top five almost all the time. But yeah, this Friday was the Rough and Rowdy Brawl 9 brought to you by Bar Sports, and the Boys and Amazon Original Show. Um, there was a few, there was basically essentially it is. Amateur boxing is actually not even amateur boxing. It's just two guys putting on the gloves and slanging and throwing haymakers and tiring themselves out. The format is some three one minute round round fights, Uh, and basically the build up behind is just a bunch of smack talking. Or I don't like this. I don't like. And it was themed around the military, army. I don't like the army. The army. Da da da. Blah blah blah. But um yeah, it was just it was very entertaining. Check down um, check out some of the footage. Um join RNR.com and then you can see um a um, few clips at our sports bros um, Facebook like page. I um shot a few live shots there. So the most entertaining fight of the evening was clearly the Brick House Cow House versus Keith. Chunky but funky baits. Um, wow, hey, chunky <laughs> but funky man. He was he is a um he is a um local Fayetteville police officer, and he had a man. Basically, the whole crowd was ch- chanting, "Chunky, chunky, chunky," and um he ended up winning the match. It was I mean it was very entertaining. It was a landslide. Um, Cow House. Um, I believe he was a um. Uh, frat remember i can't remember what frat it is it doesn't even matter but yeah he um he was out class in the match then uh, one um another match that um i had some personal ties to was um lewis thanos snap um crumsley uh versus cameron big country callaway the reason why it's personal to me is that um Lewis was um, actually a former server of mine at Applebee's, and Cameron is actually a current dishwasher for me at Max Speed Shop. So it was a former employee versus a current employee, and Thanos Snap came out with the video on that. Cameron, don't hold your head down, man. Freaking you stepped up into the fight and everything. It was awesome to see, man. Two heavyweights in there tiring themselves out. So by the time the third round, they were all huffing and puffing. But, hey, it is what it is. Another um highlight was Mr. Payne, Joshua Wright, out of Pennsylvania, I do believe, versus the sniper, Travis Stokely, um, former Marine sniper. Um Ooh. And it was it was a match where the guy was much younger and faster Joshua Wright and so we did see the first KO of the evening but man Travis, hold your head up bro man. I know you've been through a lot um, over the course of your life and everything and you um, you performed well and I mean definitely we are proud of you my man. And then um, another friend of mine, Tyler, the outlaw Pecking Paul, Fault on uh, first class Troy spell, and this was the infamous red panties match. You guys, red pant, wait a minute, <laughs> Scotty D. W- w- you hear this guy, D? red panties, red panties match. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. red draw that red. Thing. Well, it was one of those what things the- where the <laughs> a little, little trash talk, and then he's like, um, during a pre fight interview, um. He pulled out, um Tyler pulled out a pair of red panties, like I got this from your mom the other night. Oh, uh, oh, yeah. oh. So there's a lot, there's a um a lot of build up that went into it. And um the match did go to um decision and first class choice spell did come out with the victory, but it was an awesome match to watch and just cheering on um friends of mine that um participated. All in all, there was thirty-three fights. And it was just silliness in the ring, man. But it was awesome. It was an awesome display, man. Glad to have the guys um, represent come in um, to Fayetteville. Give a lot of notoriety again. I do look forward to working with XM and Barstool Sports in the future, man. Awesome guys and guys and gals. And they definitely appreciated us hosting them and everything. It was very fun.
0: Oh, man, that's pretty damn cool, man. You got a chance to see some amateur boxing at its finest. 33 fights. Wow, that's a, that's a lot of fights. I guess when they put the card together, uh, just go ahead and put 33 of them things on there. Some of these fights going in early. They probably won't make it past the third round. We'll do, we do. Just keep the party going. People keep, keep the party going. Yep, be live, and we look forward to more of Friday Night at the Fights with B live. All right, now we're going into the... Favorite section of the show, the portion of the show, I'm sorry, the choices of the voices. And pretty much what they are, Scotty D lays out the question. You guys give us your response, and we give our responses towards the end, but we debate back and forth about the responses, and we just have fun. All right, guys, ready?
1: Are you ready? That's the question. Are you ready?
0: I've been ready. (laughs) I've been ready. All right, Scotty D, fire away with the question.
2: All right. The question of the week was: What team in any sport missed out on a championship opportunity or a dynasty opportunity by self-destructing or underachieving? And I thought that there was uh, one or two that were kind of obvious, but I was uh, wanting to see what other people what, what was going to come across their desk as they were coming, as they were thinking this topic over.
0: So let, let's see what we got here. What do we get, Eddie? Cool. All right. We got a few. We didn't get a whole lot. It wasn't, you know, it probably won't you know, have the same effect as last week's um, discussion, which was good um, about the top five quarterbacks. Very good spirited debates, uh, entertaining as always. But this is pretty good, too, because when you when when you announced the question last week, I already had two teams on the top of my head. Oh, can I answer mine now? But I'm a patient person. I'm the host, of course. And I got to wait, and I want to hear what everybody else has to say before I get my two cents. All right. The uncle to the show, Uncle Max. I don't care what anybody says, Uncle Max. Uh, We we cool, all right? Uh, You know, (laughs) we're cool. We're cool. We're going to get out of the way, Uncle Max. We're cool. Nothing but love. Uncle Max says, it seems to me that the Buffalo Bills should have won at least one of their four straight Super Bowl appearances. Yeah, that's
2: a good one uh, because – People forget how awesome those Bills teams were of the early 90s. I mean, Jim Kelly ran that that no-huddle, run-and-shoot style offense flawlessly. He had great weapons with Andre Reed, James Lofton, Thurman Thomas out of the backfield. Defense was fantastic. Oh, yeah. The problem was they ran into uh, the NFC East. They lost to the Giants, Redskins, and Cowboys twice. So I don't really feel that bad about it. I mean, I'm a Cowboy fan.
1: Of course, of, of, of course, course you, course you would. <laughs> of course yeah, you would. Because that's the last. That's the last time you've heard of anything from the Cowboys. I mean, understandably oh, so. I mean, so, some someone else's misery. Thank God we're going to win the Super
2: Bowl this year, so we'll have that to to find the Already, idea. you know what? Oh, I'm I'm again.
1: going to thoroughly enjoy when the Cowboys become the answer to this question of the choice of the voice is because they have <laughs> severely underachieved this season. I cannot All right.
0: wait. All right. Uh, Uncle Max, that's a good one too, man. You think they would have They would have at least won one, but when you run up against a divisional buzz, buzzsaw, it's really hard to overcome that. And uh, my heart kind of goes out to Buffalo, man. I'm like, wow, four straight appearances to the Super Bowl. Some teams are lucky. To, some franchises are lucky to get to one. Two, if that, but they went four times and zero and four, man, zero and four. So sad set of events. But hey, man, somebody got to win. Somebody got. My lose. heart
1: goes out to the Buffalo Bills because you know what? They're they're near and dear because they're they're Carolina Panthers junior right now. Yep. So they they just like to pick up um our, our scraps at the end of the day. <laughs> like how many former Panthers have gone on to be Buffalo Bills? And then Kevin Benjamin, <laughs> the newest Mike Tolbert. The newest one the, to the list. I littlest. think the
2: arrow is trending in the right direction for them. Oh. I think it's pointing the right way for Buffalo. I think they're finally on the comeback trail.
1: To come back to what?
2: Oh, relevance. No. I think they're going to start being a little bit more competitive going forward. It's been a rough go for them, but I think they're. Uh, I think they're getting closer
0: to being. I think the issue with Buffalo is like um, the defense is stellar because I played them. Like you know, I've had them the last few years of fantasy football. I'm like, okay, the, the, the defense does what it's supposed to do. Now, if we could get Josh Allen and that offense to replicate the effort that the defense gives, then we're
1: talking business. And then, again, you know, you're in the AFC East. But I mean, that's exactly what you do to beef up your offense is pick up the beefcake Kevin Benjamin. Yeah, that's exactly how you beef up your offense. What the frick? Yeah, so, I mean, go ahead, go ahead. That guy. <laughs> Should have been a tight end. Who I else coming? Got
0: here, Eddie. Cool boy, coming. Boy, coming. Training. Can't weigh two hundred sixty-four pounds. You, you. This is a tight end. What are you doing? But I digress. In the words be b, b live, uh, Martin Tracy with a good one. Very recent and very relevant. The Tampa Bay Lightning. They had a record-setting season, only to lose in the first round.
1: Yeah, excellent yeah, you, call on that one. And, and, yeah, you yeah.
0: win, you you win sixty two games and fall flat on your face. And, uh, A classic case of wah wow.
1: Yeah, yeah, and you see, so you gotta say, you gotta say it correctly to put more emphasis to it. They didn't lose in the first round. They got swept in the. Swept. They got swept. The only team that has ever won the president's um president's trophy was the president's cup trophy in the NHL. No, just president's, the trophy. president's trophy in the NHL, and they get swept. In the first round, the Columbus Blue Jackets. If I'm not mistaken, insanity. Nobody ever saw that coming. That is the definition of underachieving, disaster, dumpster fire. Yes, Martin Tracy. Perfect
0: answer, Maddie. Ice on that question.
1: Absolutely.
0: All right. Next up is Rodney Bellamy. Shout out for Rodney for coming through every week. And Woodrow Dantzler. Anyways. (laughs) Uh, Rodney Bellamy said the Atlanta Braves of the 90s. Uh, They should have won more with that dominant pitching staff and everything else that consisted of the Atlanta Braves of the 90s. I concur. And also the Jazz teams with Stockton and Malone. Poor guys ran into the goats in their primes and should have
1: won at least one title. Um, I definitely agree with that. I do have a question. Do I have a question, though? OK, wasn't um, was it Rodney that made the argument that I, I think him and Maddie Ice were going? Was it those two going back and forth about the greatness of the um, New England Patriots? And then one of them said that, oh, it's because they dominate one division through and through. And was it was it them two? That was Trey. Was Trey, that Trey oh, yeah, that Trey. was Trey Duke. Trey Duke. Was yeah. that Trey? And who was it? Martin? Yeah. Oh, OK, because I, I just thought about that because. That was the Atlanta Braves of the 90s. Yep. They completely dominated the... Um, what was it? At one time, it was the NL West. I don't know yeah, how Atlanta they made only it. Had, yeah, they probably oh, split up p- the I'm p- division. St- I'm still trying to figure yeah. that one out. But then it, then they became the um, NL... Oh, was it? I, East yeah. right. But yeah, Atlanta thoroughly dominated the 90s. And the fact that they only got one... World Series victory through all through it all. Yeah, yeah, that's a very good answer. And stop them alone. Absolutely, Hall of Famers without question. That duo was nasty with, and they just happened to run into Michael Jeffrey Jordan. Yeah, the-
2: and you know what? I I think uh, that that's a great argument with the. That's a great answer with the Jazz. But I think you could even add on to the Knicks from that era, too, because that Knicks team was solid with Ewing and Mason and Oakley. Um, they, they just also, the same time as Jordan was playing, Michael Jordan kept a lot of Hall of Famers from getting rings, but uh, the Knicks and the Jazz, both of those could have been multiple-time champions, I think, out of that era.
0: As B-Live mentioned, uh, the Braves, for some strange reason, were in the NL West. They, uh, let that sink in. Atlanta, NL West. But I digress. Um, in that division, it was the Braves, the Giants, the Astros, the Dodgers, Reds, Rockies, and Padres. Not too tough, but I see where the Giants were giving them a run for their money.
2: It's astounding that they were right there in the mix all those years and only got one ring out of it. That That is, that is kind of a, a
0: surprise looking back on that, the way that shook out yeah, they won. They won a bunch of games, and you know, bunch of games, and dominated. You know, many seasons, but only get one. I mean, you should. I mean, the Braves should have had easily about three or four. You know, they they should have been winning them at the clip of how the San Francisco Giants of the late 2000s and early you know 2010s, how they should have won it. They should have been winning with a regular, you know, with regularity like that. But who knows what happened? Egos, Bobby Cox, John Schuholtz. Ted Turner. There's a whole lot going on. All right. And Kurt Malloy, shout out to Kurt Malloy, a very interesting one. He said the 85 Bears could have been a dynasty team if they had discipline. They could have won two or three Super Bowls. I have to tell you, when I made this
2: question, I had that team in mind. The, mm. the Bears, uh, the 85 Bears is the single most dominant team I've ever watched play in the NFL and it seemed like they were completely set to dominate the NFL for the next 3 or 4 years and that was that was one definitely was a missed opportunity i think they i mean they never even got back to the super bowl i don't, i think they got to the championship game either the following year or the year after that but they just could never pull it together and i think some of that has to be a reflection of mike ditka for not you know having more discipline with that team but from the from that season they were they were you know they filmed the super bowl shuffle and they just became kind of overnight celebrities, and I think that just kind of ruined the team continuity. There's a great ESPN documentary about them too. I don't know if you've got yep. ever seen it, but that was they, that kind of details a little bit of what we're saying here. But that was a, a super dominant
1: team that won the Super Bowl that year. They just rolled. Um, I got a quick question. It just I just want to make sure my history. Well, um, that was um, uh, William the Refrigerator Perry. He was on that team. Correct? It was a rookie yeah. year. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was rookie year. Um, um. <laughs> uh, I, know this is going. I know this is going. I know exactly where this is going. I'm like, he talking about William
0: Perry. All rookie roads year. lead to Clemson and <laughs> live. You got you to do a better job of masking this stuff, man. I, 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 I I just need you got Luke kitchen, man. Oh. I just snuffed out the play. Oh, you're running to the left. I'll stand right here. Let's see if you call all All right.
1: Oh man, I got running to the left. <laughs> yeah, I got you. Yeah.
0: I'm like, why is he? I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna stop you right now. Nah, but go
1: ahead. Nah, that's yeah. that. That was my piece. That was it.
0: <laughs> he, he got his point in. Yeah, he got it. He. Hey, I. Damn, it's got. I tried. To, I tried to cut him off a turn. Oh, I tried to cut him off. I tried to cut him. Yeah, played for Clemson, but yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it's just um, that off uh, that offense, that defense is just how do you have a like you said, Scottie D, that team was dominant. I think they were they were ranked the second most dominant team of all time, and for you to only have. One Super Bowl from that, like what the hell's going on? It, I no, it, I, it's boggles my mind. But like you said, man, mismanagement, egos, and was that everything? Was that
1: um Jim McMahon? Was that the starting QB? Yeah, and well, the he,
0: QB. he
2: was never really healthy. I mean, he was a he was a really good quarterback. He was perfect for that team, but um he was never really healthy, and he was never really that focused. Mm-hmm. I didn't think.
1: Yeah, because there was a lot of stories behind his ego being like a dividing factor in the locker room, if I'm not mistaken. Oh,
0: yeah, he was. Yeah, he was a, um, oh, yeah, he was a wildcat
1: because um,
0: what was the scene in the 30 for 30 where he had the headband? Yeah. And he did something and it, uh, he was trying to get at Pete Rosell, the former commissioner at the time, and it was, yeah, it was, yeah. It well, was a, yeah, It
2: gym. was more a circus than anything. That's where I was, I was right. Kinda- Alluding to Mike Ditka just didn't take enough control of that team. It was a, it was a circus, and an, another one I, that I would equate to that in baseball was the '86 Mets. Oh that team. Mm. The '86 Mets won the World Series, but that team had all the makings of a dynasty. We had a young Daryl Strawberry, a young Dwight Gooden. Gary Carter was on the top of his game. Keith Hernandez was a was a former MVP, and you know, we obviously know what happened in game six where they, you know, the Bill Buckner era, you know, or error enabled no. them to win that game and then go on and win game seven. But it just seemed like that team was set for long-term success as well. And they just, it was another circus. I mean, that I, I I see a lot of parallels between the 85 bears and 86 Mets, both teams in the late eighties that just seemed like, man, these are larger than life personalities. And, just uh, underachieved on the long term goal. I mean, don't get me wrong; both teams got championships. You can't uh, take that away from them. But it just seemed like both of those teams were in line to really, you know, take it to another level and did not do
0: it. Yeah, I think the eighty five Bears would have had their mess together. Man, they could have been bigger than the Chicago Bulls in the city. They could have been big. They could have been bigger than the Bulls. They were at that point in time. But I think if they would have kept that thing together and you know and rattled off about two or three more, then hey, you know. Daw Bear. yeah, da Bears, Bears Town, yeah, Daw Bears, Bears Town, Bears Town. Uh, Pete Damato says the eighteen and oh New England Patriots. I'm sorry,
2: I'm not, yeah, I'm not the giving New- the Patriots any love on this show this week. We we gave them too much last week, and that I think he was just taking a dig at Matty Ice on that one. Oh boy, the the
0: the, the Patriots, yeah, the Patriots that went undefeated and. But I mean, they won I
2: mean, enough to where they didn't get cheated. I'm going to tell you that.
1: But yeah, I mean. It could it's a slight dig, but it's still. I mean, that team was the greatest team on turf, and for, I'm not
2: talking about them. Okay, well, you oh, don't have Lord. to talk
1: about them. And <laughs> more than just you on this show, I just want I want to give Pete the um, the just amount of time he deserves. It. And I think it was a very good answer because they good Pete and the seventy two Dolphins are very much appreciative of the New York Giants that year because they were nervous they were yeah. extremely nervous I mean that team Randy Moss come on Jesus yeah that team was on point and should have been um, th- yeah that that should have finally ended the 72 Dolphins popping champagne smoking cigars but I'm a, I'm not even gonna lie to you I'd much rather have the Dolphins smoking the cigars than have Tom Brady freaking being able to carry that torch on top of the six rings that he has till the end of time because I don't see that ever happening again. There's too I don't there's too much. Yeah, parody. I don't I don't I don't
0: yeah, I d I don't think um we'll we'll see that we'll never see that again. I don't I don't think it's gonna happen. I just don't like you said, it's, it's too much parody, too much going on. Um, the way free agency is, and the way the league is, we no. Uh-uh. I think it we're gonna see n- it this year. Yeah, I knew that. it. Here uh, boy, here we go. Anyway, here who, who are, are, is that? Everybody, <laughs> we
2: get everybody.
0: Yep, and that is everybody. That is everybody. All right, so shout out to Uncle Max, Martin Tracy, Rodney Bellamy, Kurt Malloy, and Pete D'Amato for coming through on the choices of the voices. All right, I'm gonna flip a coin. And I'm gonna figure out who's gonna go first between you two, Scotty D. All
2: right. Well, I kind of already gave my two main ones. The, All right,
0: cool. So we move Mets on to me.
2: 85 Bears. <laughs> uh, hey, I might say something <laughs> nice about Clemson. Hold off there. Okay. I might, I
0: might right oh, wait. Me. Oh, wait a minute. Don't hold your breath, be loud. Go ahead.
2: Um, those were my two main ones. I, I actually, I, the jury's still out on one. The, the The Chicago Cubs of just a couple years ago had a great young team that won the World Series. They could be in line to do that again this year. Um, But I think if they don't get another one within the next, you know, maybe two, three years, we could look at them as a possible missed opportunity team. Um, I think about the Fab Five, that you know, that uh, they never won any kind of championship. They didn't win the national championship or the Big Ten. Talking about Chris Weber, Jalen Rose, Jackson King, and uh, Juwan Howard. And then another team that um, I I really think – had the look of a dynasty was the late 80s oakland a's that was Maguire mm-hmm. and canseco the Sheesh. Bass brothers yeah they had dennis eckersley out of the pen uh ricky henderson dave <laughs> yep. i mean that was a team that was loaded and loaded yes they went to three world series and the only one they won was the 89 world series which was overshadowed by the earthquake because they played two games and had to take like nine days off before they went back and, and then finished off the giants. But uh, they were done in by the Kirk Gibson home run. I'm convinced of it. in that first series of the 88 world series against the Dodgers, Kirk Gibson hit that ninth inning home run. And it's one of the biggest, most historic you know, shots that you've ever seen in major league baseball history. But the Oakland A's, that team they they easily could have been a, a mini dynasty there, in the late eighties. So those were the, those were the main answers I came up with. And, uh, it was interesting to hear. I, I, I kind of thought the 85 Bears were the, that, like I said, that was the team I kind of had in mind when I created that question. And I figured somebody would, uh, would come up with that. And Kurt Malloy did. So that, there's uh, one common answer. live, what do you got on this? I'd like to hear your answers. All
1: right. Let me, let, me, let me take a moment real quick because this one was a little bit difficult for me because not because of the question itself, but the answers that popped into my head. And <laughs> Eddie Cool, just be especially prepared for this because Uh-oh. this this two teams. They're both college football. All roads lead to Dabo. Just wanna go ahead and put that out there. <laughs> but there were two teams that literally like I'm I'm left scratching my head and I'm, it hurts me and pains me to say this. The Florida State Seminoles, the 2013 national champion Florida State Seminoles, and then the 2014 playoff, um, they made it to the playoffs and then got decimated by Oregon 59-20. to 20. They got smoked! But here's a, <laughs> here's a storied Florida State Seminole program. Florida State was Clemson before Clemson because Florida State yep. was the, the national champions, like the – 1996 through 2000, they were either champions or the runner-up in five straight years. And, like, they were the dominating factor in college football, period. And so, the, I mean, they were already solidified. And then when the um, BCS era and the college football playoff era, it was Florida State. that were, they, were, they were that program that was destined for success. The torch had been passed from... Bobby um, Bobby Bowden to Jimbo Fisher, and I'm just over here like, man, this is gonna be tough. Yeah, but then Florida State was never the same after Jameis Winston left. No, nope. and they had they they did not have the same caliber quarterback. And then the bottom fell out when Jimbo Fisher decided he wanted to leave and go to Texas A and M. They are a shell of them former selves of what they were back in 2013, 2014. I and now, because of the dominance of Clemson, Florida State has a long road ahead of them. But my second team, this is the one that I want you to make sure that you were sitting down. I do not like Florida State, but I have to respect them. I have to say this is going oh, this hurts. God bless. Let me try. Oh, all right. The South Carolina Gamecocks. Yeah, (sighs) yeah, yeah. I said it, and especially the five years, um, leading Mm -hmm. up to two thousand thirteen. Yep. When they finished the two thousand thirteen season, they were ranked fourth overall after it was all said and done. If I'm not mistaken, was that the year they was that the year they also beat Michigan and that shot heard round the world? Yeah, that was that it. was a, Jesus Lord, that was now, now that now now that team. You want to talk about loaded teams and all
0: the time in the world? I mean, we had we had Connor Shaw, we had another Mike Davis because you know we keep a Mike Davis on deck. Mm-hmm. The wide receivers were good. The tight end was
1: good. We were good on all sides. Was of the ball. was Alshon Just, was Alshon Jeffrey still on that team at the time, or was he already um? I think he may have been gone, but yeah. we had um who do we have for we 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 keep some, you know, some pretty decent receivers, so you know. But he, the the reason why I say the South Carolina Game Cops, because that was the essence of Steve Spurrier. They, they, they were steadily on the climb, steadily on the climb, all the way up to 2013, where they peaked at number four at the end of the year. This was, like, this was a five, this, the fifth straight victory against my beloved Clemson Tigers. And I'm sitting here with the long mouth and the sad face. I'm like, this is getting old. But then the recruiting battle started. And things started hey, to change hey, because I hate to cut and be not yeah. be lied, but he left in uh he got drafted in two thousand twelve. He got drafted in two thousand twelve. Okay. I just want to make yeah. yeah, I just want to make sure I knew at some point in time, like Al Jeffrey was leading that team with um as a receiver and everything. But the talent that was there was incredible. Steve Spurrier was winning the recruiting battle when it came to pulling players from Florida. And I actually have to attribute some of Clemson's success because the entire state of South Carolina was winning the recruiting battle against Florida. Like, we pulled C.J. Spiller, and that was one of those, wow, are you kidding me? Players from Florida were looking at the state of South Carolina. So I attribute some of that. I attribute some of that to Tommy Bowden against Bobby Bowden, the Bowden Bowl and everything like that. But, yeah, the Gamecocks. Now, here's what happened, though. Here's what happened. In 2011, the Gamecocks were caught doing a little dirty dealing when it came to allowing their um, athletes to stay at the Whitney Hotel, where they were, <laughs> where they where they were getting a discounted rate. The players were getting a discounted rate, where I think they were allowing the players to stay there for seventeen dollars a day when it was supposed to be like $59, $60 a day. And so the NCAA was like, uh-uh, you can't do that. And so the Gamecocks um, put in a self-imposed penalty of giving up three scholarships, and they slashed their recruiting visits in half to from 56 visits to 30. And that is a huge blow to recruiting. And I yep, think that'll do it that, every time. And that was implemented in 2013-2014. Shortly after that, where they could not recruit as well as they could, Steve Spurrier left midway through the 2015 season, and the game cops have not been the same again. They, they, like, with, with that whole recruiting situation, they could not pull those top-level recruits, and this was the, the rise of the Clemson Tigers football program. And When you've got your in-state rival picking apart recruits left and right, and becoming the national powerhouse that they are. But the Gamecocks at that time could have easily, easily been up there in the ranks of your powerhouses in the SEC, your LSUs, your Auburns, your Alabamas. South Carolina was right. They could have easily surpassed Georgia, but that happened at that particular time. And now the talk of the, time, the SEC is, of course, your Alabama and your Georgia right now. And then, of course, the entire world is your reigning. Defending undisputed national oh,
0: right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, just, I'm just over here. Um, I'm paying attention, but I was over looking at some of the talent we had Jadavian Clowney, um, tight end Justice Cunningham. Uh, who else? Uh, tight end Jarrell Adams. I think that's we even had uh Bruce Ellington, Cedric Cooper, Chaz Elder. Yeah, Bruce Ellington, a wide receiver. I mean, we. Um, the game cops were loaded, but it was just something about it it just I, I think it I think hey, it, it might have been it might have been at time. it might have been its time like okay, it's fun while it lasted, but we're gonna go ahead and just uh end this right here. uh, my two picks for uh what could have should have would have been, but ain't out to be nothing are the Phoenix Suns teams during the 2000s, where Mike D'Antoni was the head coach, and they was just running up and down the court playing with a small lineup and just shooting the ball on everybody, averaging 110 points a game. You had Amari Stoudemire at the time. You also had two-time MVP Steve Nash, which he should have been a one-time MVP, but that's another story for another day. Um, You had all that talent, but the problem was the San Antonio Spurs, and at the time, the Los Angeles Lakers and Kobe Bryant. That's when the West West, Western Conference Ascension started to rise. That's yeah, a great call, Phoenix. Eddie. That's, a, I, that's one I hadn't even crossed my mind. That's a great call. Yep, Phoenix has some good teams, man. But then you run into that, you know, that loaded San Antonio Spurs team makes it a little bit tough for you to win games. And then once that happened, man, the, the window shut on them real fast. Another team that the window should have just – every year the window shut on them even more and more. Sometimes more than others were the San Diego Chargers to the mid to late two thousands. Yeah, when they yeah. yes, yes, when they had Vincent Jackson, Antonio Gates, Philip Rivers, Tomlinson, um, yeah, uh, yeah, Ladanian Tomlinson, and they and on defense you had like lights out Sean Merriman, and you had other guys on the defense that were good too. The Chargers were competitive, but similar to the Phoenix Suns. They couldn't get on them damn New England Patriots because I don't know if y'all, I'm pretty sure you guys remember, but I'll refresh you. Um, the 2007 AFC title game performance, okay? Phillip Rivers was out there with a torn ACL trying to make the most of an already abysmal situation on the road in Foxborough AFC title game. Just, let me just set, set the scene for you. Yeah. Also, LaDainian Thomason had an injury that he was injured to the point to where that like, you know what, um, just put the, just put the hot coat on. Yeah, you're not going back out there. And that was it for a talented San Diego Chargers team. I think they went like third. I think they they lost all of two games. They lost all of two games the year before. And In 2007, they went 11 and five. But coming out of the um, AFC. But if you want to know the formula to beating the Patriots. Just watch the Patriots and the Broncos title game the year the Broncos went to the Super Bowl. Just, just, just watch that if you want to learn how to beat somebody. So uh, those are my choices. Two choices for the yeah, of uh, the um for the choices of the voices. I mean, it was easy, Scott. It was like, like it, it was the lowest hanging fruit. It was the easiest one to pick because they were so fresh yeah. on my mind. All right, so I now that a, we have, I got a question our, though, oh, um, because that yeah.
1: actually I do appreciate the Phoenix Suns. And that leads that led into something I mentioned in the last podcast uh, because we were talking about would um, James Harden and uh, Russell on Westbrook be able to coexist in Houston? Guess who's their coach? Let yes.
0: D'Antoni.
1: And will Mike D'Antoni end up at the end of his career? Will he end up being one of those upper echelon um, coaches? Because not only now, because you brought up the Phoenix Suns that ran into the Los Angeles Lakers and the San Antonio Spurs, now you're looking at a Houston Rockets team that ran into the likes of Golden State that Mike D'Antoni has been coaching. This dude has literally been one step away from God knows how many championships. Mike D'Antoni is the classic
0: case of being the bridesmaid and never being the bride. Gentlemen, that was that was a very spirited edition of Choices of the Voices. It wasn't like last week, but you know, it's still good though. It's still good. And with that being said, Scotty D, what is next week's question for the choices of the Well, Voices? you don't have to go
2: quite as in depth here for this one.
0: I last night I was
2: watching a movie called The Battle of the Sexes. Have you guys seen this movie yet?
0: I have it, it
2: it was it was an outstanding movie. It's about Bobby Riggs and Billie Jean King the big tennis match they had in 1973, great sports movie. So that gave me the idea of uh, asking what is your favorite sports movie of all time and give us three, give us your top three. So there's a lot to choose from and a lot to think about to narrow it down to three, but it's a little bit more simple question than this past week that we asked. So that's on the top. That's on the table for next week. That's
1: our topic. Favorite sports movies. Top three favorite sports movies. This is gonna be another I just good. Had, one. Another I just good had Fifteen you know, just popping my head. I'm, scared, Lord. Well, I we're not talking about.
2: We're not talking about Clemson team. You know, documentaries. We're not talking about like the, the the year the end review. review? Yeah, the highlight yeah. reel. Oh, you talking? Oh, you're talking about? Oh, you're
1: talking <laughs> about the one that's just coming out now, the greatest ever. Oh, yeah. Y- yes. Yeah, we're not talking about the life story of Dabo <laughs> Sweeney or anything like 15 and 0, that. 15 old, the only team that's done it since 1897. Oh, my bad. Go, go ahead. I digress. Eddie, get, get the train. Do something. Conduct something. Dabo story <laughs> coming soon. Produced by the Almighty Be life
0: written by the Almighty Be Live, and starring the <laughs> Almighty Be life. You I guess you get to see here. But anyway, I had to do it to you. You keep on doing it. I'll be, hey, I had to do it to you. All right, so that's next week's uh, question for the choices of the voices. And now it's time to see who takes a seat in the penalty Box. And the penalty Box has a different look for this time. Um, also, while I have everyone's attention to our listeners, You know what, guys? We know that the penalty box, we may say things that may be repetitive. We'll be like, you know what? I know somebody who should be in the penalty box. Well, listeners, guess what? Not only are we going to ask you to participate in Choices of the Voices, but we're also going to make the penalty box interactive as well too. So if you see somebody in the world of sports saying something stupid, doing something dumb, or just being a bonehead, let us know, and we can find them some room in the penalty box, because we'll move some people. if, If it's if who you select is good enough, we'll make some room for him. Yes, we will do that. All right, looks a little different, and here we go. Me and B live can uh, relate to this one. Scotty D will will you know we filled you in what was going on during the um, during the post production beat of the Sports Bros podcast. Yes, we have those. Um, the commentator that was losing his mind after the Manny Pacquiao
1: and Keith Thurman fight basically put he he said what I said the the one judge that um scored the bout for Thurman was drunk and should never ever, ever, never ever be able to judge a fight again so he, man he was going yeah. off he's like what what fight did this guy see what was he looking at da, 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 da. i mean he was going i was sitting oh my goodness i i got in trouble at work when i was watching the fight I should have been actually working but man that that commentator, I I need to get his name my, I'm I'm gonna try to get that sound clip or that um video clip and post that to our like page because I'm telling you it was entertaining but yes tone it down a little bit just since he just went yeah, he, on went off, he, he went I off. think he forgot where he was at and he was like I'm I'll post it so the listeners can judge and see you, but he's going in the penalty box for now. Calm down, two minutes. Yeah, two minutes. Uh, speaking of another
0: of a two, another two minute minor. Le'Veon Bell for a long winded, nonsensical rant
1: while traveling. I don't in the see. Airport. Here's the thing about that one, though. I don't know. That's a two minute minor because Le'Veon Bell. First off, first off, the reason why you're in the penalty box is because. You sat out trying to get a contract thinking that you was the best thing since sliced bread. So you didn't even play for an entire season. Years before that, you didn't make it through the entire season, which made you liable when it came to the Steelers wanting to pay you any money. And so now, because you're out here where you should be training and staying healthy and everything, because that's always been the number one concern about your storied career you're out here playing basketball and everything, and the credits are get, having a field day because you can't stay healthy. And so now you big mad because the critics are saying that you should be playing basketball, you should be training, you should be at training camp and da-da-da and this, that, and the third, and now you want to walk up and down stairs as opposed to taking the escalator just to, just to say something like despite the credits or whatever. Bruh, you haven't shown us anything to be on the contrary, where we should be like, you know what? It's all good. You can chill and do whatever. You can have fun. No, bruh, you need to be training because you need to make it through an entire season. That's why I don't think this is a minor. This is a full-on major. you got to prove yourself to us before you decide that you want to go on a little rant. Hey, LeBron James has earned his... Taco Tuesday. Tuesdays. He earned that. He earned that. It's all good. LeBron, you're you okay with me. You're okay. Because you put in work. You got hurt last season, but you put in work. Le'Veon Bell, you have not made it through an entire season. You have not won a Super Bowl. Like, um, bruh, bruh, get your life get your life and together it- before you decide to want to have all this fun and everything.
0: And that's my biggest issue with Le'Veon Bell. Like, yeah, you're good. You're all world, but the best of, uh, best of, uh, ability is availability. What's the thing about Le'Veon Bell, uh, Scotty D? I think he's a knucklehead. Knucklehead. Well said. All right. Repeat offenders, James Dolan, for doing absolutely nothing to improve a story franchise in the world's famous arena. And then we have Michael Jordan see James
1: Dolan. Simply put, I'm but I'm I want to say this. I think I'm gonna let James Dolan ride this out until the um regular season of the um NBA starts. I'm 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 okay. gonna I'm gonna alleviate him from the penalty box. Michael Jordan is not off the hook. James James Dolan, I'm gonna let him off the hook until I see what they do with R.J. Barrett and see how they develop the team. Yep. I'm, I'm going to see what, what happens because I think when they didn't get the big name stars, I think they put enough pieces where they, they – I mean, they won't be the best team, but they're not going to be the worst team. I don't think – it's not going to be the Knicks of old like they were the past few years. I think I'm going I'm to let, let the product on the court speak for James Dolan at this point. Michael Jordan, you're not off the hook because the fact that you... Kimba Walker, I just... How? How do you not Ugh. appreciate Kimba Ugh. Walker? I don't get it. So that that's where I stand with James Dolan, Michael, uh, Michael Jordan. James Dolan, you're alright with me until the regular season. Michael Jordan, you still got some splaining to do. Treating that team like right. a
0: side piece. Alright, so here we go. We got a refie on the He didn't win Wilmington and uh deservedly so because he's conducting a scratch and sniff test on worldwide television uh picking nose oysters and digging for dingleberries so you want me to shake your hand after we win a after a tennis match but i've seen you for a course of two to three hours digging your nose and digging your butt fist bump bro fist bump me no 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 mm, no fecal matter on my flank. you Nobody might not get a
1: fist no he might get an elbow from me just me hit the elbow touch touch the tip there you go we good and,
0: hey, hey! If that's the case, you just might get the
1: the the, the classic player. Right, or not. right. All right. Yeah,
0: we good, we good, we yeah, we good, we good. All right, then we got O.J. Simpson for wilding out on Twitter, stating that he's got some getting even to do, and posting knife emojis and getting into it with a troll account. O.J. No better, do better. You'll be around longer. Uh, we have two new additions as of this morning to the penalty box, with James Dolan leaving. Uh, yeah, with him leaving, we replace him with Jason Whitlock and his delusionism, delusionalism, encouraging players to go get their money. After the player said, You know what? We don't want to play 18 games during the regular season. No, no, be Laugh, like, can you give us a small recap of the backstory of why? Jason Whitlock is what he is. Well, not he is what he is, but why is he
1: in the penalty box? He's in the penalty reason? box for multiple reasons, but just simply like you played not one lick of professional football. You have professional football analysts that give you their expert opinion on what players should and want to do in the National Football League. And yet all you can say is, oh, you should get your, you should get your money. You're going to make more money. Why? Why would you say no to that? Because, bro, have you played in the NFL? The amount of toll that comes—like, biggest thing about the NFL is player safety—that you clearly have no concerns or qualms about. You just talk about, oh, you should get their money, blah, blah, blah. and just—and then he also made some side comment that made no sense. He made he made it seem like that, oh, the players of this day and age got it so good. And that there's no controversy between the players and the owners. What what what, what storylines have you not been reading? Like the players and the owners are at odds all the time, especially um, yeah. especially about this 18 game thing, like player safety and all of that. It, yeah, you you're not paying any attention, and you're surrounded by NFL talent, and you clearly just do not listen. I've watched your show one time. I've heard comments from you before. I tried. I can't do it anymore. You're in the penalty box, and you're going to be in the penalty box for quite some time. I'm, I'm, I'm a try. I'm going to try. But right now, you're just doing the most and just not listening. You just hear. You talk to hear yourself talk, and it's just pretty much. Ah. Yeah, because
0: I, because I, I uh, as crazy as it is. I'll watch an hour of Colin Cowherd. and Y'all know how I feel about him. Then I will of Jason Whitlock. Well, some of those Fox sports guys, man, I, I don't, I don't, I, I don't, I don't get it. I don't quite get it. Uh, and then last in the penalty box is Dan Levitard, being Dan Levitard And Scotty. D, would you like to opine? Why? Yeah, just, Dan Levitard. got yeah, him. Yeah, just because he's,
2: box. he's whining and crying because uh, he wants to, put more of his political views out there. I mean, the ESPN recognized that the general public was turning against that. Uh, and a lot of it's very liberal. And that and that was kind of the basis of our show. We talked about that before we did our first episode. We don't want to talk politics on here. This is sports. We want to talk sports. It's a way to get away from the, the divisive topics of politics. And he works for ESPN, the worldwide leader in sports. So stick to sports, Levitard. Stick to letting Poppy talk on a banana and pretend that like it's a telephone. That's funny. That's entertaining. <laughs> now we don't want to hear your your opinions on, on politics. And if if you want to get them, if you want to get them out there, then just leave ESPN and, and go to a another network like Keith Olbermann did. And and then and then you talk politics. So until then, you get two weeks in the box, Levitard.
0: Yeah, we try to stay away from divisive material, and politics is one of them because um, we want you guys to come listen and have fun. That's all we want. Talk about sports. We'd rather talk about who's better between Brady and Manning versus who's better between Democrats and Republicans, and not wind up hating each other right. at the end of it. You can deep. We you know we can agree to disagree and then get the hell on. That's, that's all you right. want to do. Just, at just, just uh, we like, just want
2: to talk about Clemson and that's it. That can anything so wrong with that. We just want to talk about Dabo and Clemson and he prays on Clemson. That's all we want. We don't want to we don't want to be divisive in our in our political talk.
1: Not I'm at just, all. I'm just <laughs> taking a moment and take it all in. I love it. Yep. I love it. All
0: right, so that's it for the penalty box. And like I said, listeners, if you know somebody that might want to take a seat in the penalty box let us know please let us know all right we're coming towards the end of the show and we got a round of pepper three topics kind of sort of rapid fire style and entertaining informative you just might learn something and i'll go first Ooh, give it the ball it's kind of hard to have this ball with stitches in my fingers but i digress from that story all right first pepper point goes out to keith thurman for making the fight between him and manny pacquiao competitive a lot of people thought that Keith Thurman was going to come, was going to go in there and just phone it in, mail it in. No, he made it competitive. He he's, he fought against one of the greats of all time and he held his own. So, Keith Thurman, much respect for holding your own in a competitive fight. Over to you, much
2: respect to him for the, his post fight interview, too, where he was very gracious in defeat. I really like that.
0: Yeah.
2: All right. Um, nope. Since it is uh, the dog days of summer, I'm going to throw a couple baseball points out there. But um, within the last couple weeks, I saw Joe Madden and Aaron Boone both get ejected in in their uh, respective games, and in each case, I think it ended up firing their teams up. The Cubs have seemed to have taken control of their division, and they're shaping up to me look like they could they could be a World Series contender. Uh, I know I had the Brewers preseason, but uh, the, the Cubs to me look like they are starting to take control of their season. And the Yankees, the way that Aaron Boone responded with that savages rant this past weekend, and you know they they pretty much put Tampa Bay away and locked that division up. So I guess kudos to managers for getting ejected at the right time. If we were heading towards a Cubs-Yankees World Series, man, that would be awesome. Over to you, Be Live. Aaron, and
0: boom. Nice,
1: nice, nice. <laughs> Definitely um, love when the the um, managers fired their squads, man. I love it. One of my favorite parts of baseball. The protective netting in baseball. All teams have um, taken the netting all the way to the end of the dugout. But there are six teams, due to um, incidents that have happened the past couple of months, have now extended it all the way to the foul poles. The uh, Baltimore Orioles, the Washington Nationals, the Pittsburgh Pirates, the Los Angeles Dodgers, the Texas Rangers, and the Chicago White Sox have begun to put up the protective netting all the way to the foul poles. Now, there is a little bit of a public outcry. Why hasn't the, um, all of Major League Baseball, why hasn't the um, the league itself implemented across the board with all the teams? And my my thought process behind this is that one part of the allure of baseball, part of the nostalgia, is uh, being a part of the game, um, minor league level especially, but even in the majors, you know, you see where a uh, foul ball is hit and everybody's scrambling to grab a ball to be part of history and everything like that, grab a little uh, memorabilia and everything. And now it's just, it's become it's becoming inherently dangerous. And I would like to take a moment to the families that have been affected. Um, with the um, young kids and then there was a, an incident last year I do believe or a couple of years ago where an um, elderly lady uh, passed away due to injuries um, from a foul ball yeah. so it's a very it's a very somber moment and I definitely don't want to take away from that I just think um, I respect the teams decisions and what and what they would like to do as far as that's concerned I do have concerns about having two, three, four-year-old kids that close to the action possibly with protective netting help? I mean, what do you guys think on that?
0: Um, I, you know, it's a classic case of, you know, know what you get into before you get into it, and once you get into it, the level of expectations, they heighten a little bit more because of what it is, and like you said, Live, you know, if you have younger children, you know, two, three, and four in that range, you know, you might have to Be careful when you purchase those tickets because, you know, if you're on this side of the foul line or that side of the foul line or behind home plate, this could happen. But when you're in parts where the netting doesn't cover it, that's where, you know, that's where, you know, you're kind of playing Russian roulette because, you know, like you said in the um, conference call earlier, Scotty, D, you know, if you have your head down and and you pick it up, you got a line drive coming at you, you really can't do nothing. There's nothing you can do. So it's just a classic case of knowing what you're getting into before you get into it. And once you get into it, this is what you can expect. So that's how I feel about it.
2: Yeah, um, I'm all for the protective netting. It, I don't, I don't think it detracts from the game. I'm all for safety. So
0: no, yeah, yeah, yeah we're all for safety too. It's just, just you just have to be aware. Have to be aware. All right. So the ball does the yeah, ball come absolutely. back to me? All right. Since we're talking about baseball, let's talk about the $400 million dollar man, Mike Trout. He has 10 home runs in the month of July at this point in time it makes me wonder who's getting more bang for the buck Philly or the angels Philly or the angels where you at Bryce Harper, but shout out to Mike Trout who might be well on his way to an MVP caliber season over to you. Scott, yeah, man,
2: Trout's looking good right now. I love it. Um, Heating up. A little bit earlier in the show, I alluded to uh the 86 Mets and Dwight Gooden. Well, Dwight Gooden got arrested on June 7th for like the thousandth time. <laughs> he got arrested yeah? in New Jersey for cocaine. He's facing up to five years in prison. I actually hope he gets it because if he doesn't, he's going to die. We know how this is going to end. I, I remember I was a big fan of the Stone Temple Pilots and Scott Weiland was their lead singer. And he had repeated run-ins with uh, substance abuse and addiction and I kept thinking, I can't believe this dude is still alive, and he no longer is. If Dwight Gooden doesn't go away, uh, we're, we know how that story is going to end. And and I like Dwight Gooden. I saw, I watched him on the 2011 Celebrity Rehab with Dr. Drew. That was nine years ago, and here we are still eight yeah. years ago, and he's still having these uh, the lifelong addiction difficulties. So here's hoping that Dwight Gooden gets that. That,
1: that cleaned up before the story ends terribly.
2: Where would you be live?
1: All right, yeah absolutely. Um, and just a little side note. I mean, um, I've dealt uh, personally with um, addiction, and it is a very tough road and uh, prayers for him and just hope hopefully like you enough hits to the head you realize that you got to make a change. All right on um, higher, yeah. up, on a higher note. All right. check this out. All roads lead to Clemson and Dabo Sweeney. Oh, God. Scott, I'll see you later. I just (laughs) want to make sure you understand that. It's understood, yeah, we know. All roads. All right, so the big hype has been about um, Alabama and Tua and Clemson and um, Trevor Lawrence. But there's been no talk about Clemson's star running back Travis Etienne. All he did last season was run for 1,659 rushing yards and 24 touchdowns. He averaged Damn. 8.1 yards a carry. Maybe I'm going to pause real quick so y'all understand it. 8.1 yards a carry. That's almost a first down running the ball. Ridiculous yeah. with it. And the only thing that stopped him from doing it even more is that Clemson has an embarrassment. Of riches, hashtag we too deep. We had a four running back um structure last season with Lenjay Dixon, Tavian Feaster. Shout out Tavian Feaster, he's going to transfer on us, but understandably so because he was a five star recruit and he 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 deserves the, the shine. He might end up going to the Gamecock eh, or the Virginia Tech Hokies, but. Travis Etienne should be getting a lot more love. Well, unfortunately, because of the system that he's in, I mean, he's been sharing the load, and he's, it's still going to be that way because Clemson does a very good job of preserving their players. So a lot of players get a lot of playing time, and so they can shine in the upcoming moments and not be tired like Alabama and Nick Sayman claims that they are and playing the tougher opponents, which is a big freaking lie. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Clemson, Travis Etienne, we too deep. Eddie Cool, there you go.
2: When, when, I, when I pray tonight, I'm going to pray for forgiveness that I didn't heap enough
1: praise upon that young man. And I said the ball goes to Eddie Cool. <laughs> All right. Yes. Give me the ball. Everybody for
0: back up. <laughs> Everybody back up. Give me the ball. I'm, st- I'm going I'm gonna, I'm gonna to start beating you beating in the forehead and the thighs. Keep it up. Keep it up. All right, uh, and my third and final pepper point goes to the world of professional wrestling, namely New Japan Pro Wrestling. Around this time of the year, they have a month-long tournament called the G1 Climax. Now, the winner of the G1 Climax gets something similar to a Money in the Bank uh, contract as to where they win the contract. But guess what? Right before the big event, Wrestle Kingdom, which is the Japanese equivalent to WrestleMania, WrestleMania, the winner of the briefcase has to defend that contract against a challenger of their choosing or in case somebody wants to call them out. So, with that being said, it's a very interesting tournament, hard-hitting, a lot of matches going on, a lot of dream matches. It's, it's crazy. Split up into two blocks. You got different blocks of wrestlers from block A, block B. But I don't know what block this is in because I hadn't really been paying attention, but John Moxley, formerly known as WWE's Dean Ambrose, had a match with Japanese veteran, Hardhead, badass, if you will, Tomohiro Ishii. Now, let me tell you about Tomohiro Ishii. Tomohiro Ishii is all of five foot seven inches tall, but two hundred and twenty-five pounds. But he fights like a super heavyweight. Okay, this match was good. I don't want to spoil it. You have to watch it. When I say it was a good match, because at one point you didn't know who was going to win here, who was going to win there. They both came in as champions. None of their belts was on the line ishii had his never openweight title with him john moxley had his newly won iwgp united states title with him the match was a great match and i watched that after the keith thurman and manny pacquiao fight oh i was in heaven i was in wrestling heaven and i will say this though it is worth checking it out when you get a chance john moxley tomohiro ECE, g1 climax instant classic All right, and the ball goes to Scotty Dean. All right, so this
2: past weekend, the greatest reliever in the history of baseball went into the Hall of Fame talking about Mariano Rivera. Man, when I was uh, in the final year of Yankee Stadium 2008, I went up there and watched the game. And when Mariano Rivera comes out of the bullpen and enter Sandman's playing, it is electric. And I just wanted to give a shout-out to acknowledge how great a player he was and how classy he was. And uh, I'm happy to see he finally took his rightful place in the Hall of Fame as the first-ever unanimous selection.
0: Yep, all-time leader in saves, five championships, and the last player to wear the number 42. Oh, yeah. Mm Yep, the last player to wear the number 42 so big shout-outs to the boss man, Mariano Rivera. Uh, is that it for me? I got, I'll,
1: I'll always get left out on the third one. I get it always. Oh, get, here you go. Be here's the ball. last pepper point. Yeah, it's gonna be a quick point. Um, there's um pictures have shown up between um the Carolina Panthers and they may had a um jersey made for um U.S. Women's Soccer star Megan Rapinoe um after the back-to-back victories in the women's world cup and it divided the carolina panthers fan base as it always is i just need everybody to just celebrate the victory the united states back-to-back women's world cup victories and that was the message that was coming across stop digging too deep into it congratulations to the women's world cup team congratulations to my Carolina Panthers for being class acts and celebrating that fact. Love it, love it, love it. Keep pounding all day, every day.
0: I'm taking you home. They're giving me the go-home cue. I'm giving us the go-home cue. That being said, thank you for listening to another edition of the Sports Bros Podcast. But before we go, we still have to figure out when and what time we're going to do this whole fantasy football league thing. Um, during the week, an announcement will be made. It will be made. A video might accompaniment it, uh, might come with it, but an announcement will be made because we're trying to get this thing cracking, and hopefully, I'm just trying to beat somebody and win another fantasy football league. Quit be live from bragging, and Scotty D, you could just come along for the ride too. And with that being said, Scotty D, how can the people reach you? Ah, uh,
1: Scotty D had to take off on us. Um, he is headed to Beast Ninja. The number one obstacle course gym in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Quick shout out to Marquise Goodwin, the winner of 40 yards to gold. The fastest player in NFL right now. He trained at Beast Ninjas. So quick shout out to Scott on that. Scotty D. Hopefully very soon he'll be coming to us with another Scott thoughts that you can find on our Facebook like page of the Sports Bros Podcast. You can find me in St. Louis where the gun blaze paint. Oh, my bad. So to- you do don't, don't bad. do not do bad. that. Don't do that. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter. This be your boy. Be live. No I. So T-H-S-B-E-Y-A-B-O-Y-B-L-I-V-E. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter. On Instagram, is Sports Bros Podcast. On Twitter, it's Sports Bros PCAST. You can find us on um, our Facebook like page of Sports Bros Podcast. You can also find us on our newly formed YouTube page to Sports Bros Podcast. We have some videos of um, my feature video of what happened. Wednesdays and um, some clips from our podcast. You can find that on our YouTube page. You can find the head of creative, Eddie Cool and his Tron Kilo or Three Things Thursdays on our YouTube page as well. And we got a lot more things going on. We're working with WordPress, you can also, if you have any questions about our show, or you can also email us at sportsbrospcast@gmail.com at gmail.com.
0: And Scottie D is also the trivia man, too. And he's pretty good at what he does as well, too. Uh, you can find me, the HOC, on Instagram, Cool Season all one word. And also you can find me on all of the Sports Bros-related uh, social media platforms from Instagram, the Facebook, the YouTube, the Twitter, or oh, I'm going to be there too. You can also catch me on Snapchat, super cool 5,000, the word super cool, cool with a K, and the number 5,000. And as always you can catch me on Facebook. If you got my number, you can call me. No, 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 no. Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> don't do that because nine times out of ten, I ain't going to answer the phone. All right. Uh, with that being said, you know how to reach us and contact us. Episode 20 is in the books of the Sports Bros Podcast. As I mentioned earlier, we'll be making an announcement about the Sports Bros Podcast Fantasy Football League, probably in the middle of the week. Thank you. Thank you for listening, sticking with us, participations, giving us your comments, your suggestions, whatever you want to do, however you want to contribute to make this a better podcast, because guess what? This is by the fan, for the fan. We're just like you. We're not controlled by some network. In 2019, we're just getting started. 2020, we're going to be making some major moves. And with that being said, it's been another episode of the Sports Bros Podcast. And as always in closing, do something nice for yourself. Please don't neglect yourself. But if you can, if you can do something nice for someone else, go ahead and do it. they will appreciate you for that. This is the Sports Bros Podcast. Yes, sir. Bye.